I would like to invite you to uh, open your Bibles. Turn with me to Mark chapter number one. Mark chapter number one. And uh, we're going to continue in our series through the book of Mark. Uh, uh, I want to I want to say this particular study this morning. Uh, I, I read through I read through this set of verses probably ten or more times, and and really trying to figure out what it was the Lord wanted me to deliver. There is a lesson, and there is a teaching in this chapter, but then again, there's a message. There's a message. And I was praying and saying, Lord, what is the message? What, 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 what is the message that you want me to deliver? And I'll be honest with you. It kind of made me sad. And, uh, and, and I I don't want to say fearful, but a, a great concern for individuals that will fall into the category of what we're going to see today. And so, so I want everybody, I want everybody, I want you to really pay attention today. I want you to really pay attention today. And this is, this is going to be one of those messages where you pray, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I don't want you to be thinking about your neighbor or who you know that needs to hear what I'm saying. I want you to just sit and say, God, speak to me. Say that with me. God. God speak to me. So let's look in Mark chapter number one, and we're going to, we're going to be in verse number 21 is where we stopped last time. Mark 1, 21. And let's see what it says. And they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and he taught. Now a synagogue was a gathering place. It wasn't the temple. It wasn't where they sacrificed. It was basically a meeting place. It was a meeting place to discuss scripture and read the word, the Old Testament writings. Uh, This was very prevalent in that day. There were synagogues all over the place. It would require at least 10 Jewish men of 13 years or older to be able to form a synagogue. They would build this place. They would do much business at this place, uh, legal work at this place. But primarily it was to come and to read the scriptures and be taught the Old Testament scriptures uh, for the individual Jew of that day. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. It, wasn't, it wasn't the temple, but it was a place to gather and to learn. And it says that Jesus went into the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as having one, uh, one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out. The word cried out means literally to scream. He began screaming, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold thy peace. Now, hold thy peace is King James for shut up. I know, I know that that's, you know, we teach our kids not to use that in polite company, but literally that is what he said. He rebuked him, shut up, stop, uh, literally to muzzle and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this, what is this new doctrine? What, what? 
authority. He commandeth even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto him. Now, so we see that that Jesus just heals Peter's mother-in-law. Now, we learned when we went to Israel that that is why Peter denied Christ. Some, some of y'all, you, you don't get it yet, but we were standing in Capernaum and our guide Nasser was teaching and, and, and doing all this. And man, we was hanging on every word. And he got to that point and he said, this is where Peter's mother-in-law was healed. And this is why he denied Christ. And everybody's like, anyway, it's such a serious message. I felt we need some levity today. And at even, and at even when the sun did set, they brought it. Now, why did they wait till even? Because the Sabbath day was from sunset to sunset. So when the sun set on the Sabbath, what we call the Saturday, then that meant the Sabbath was over. They couldn't bring them to Jesus until then. But when that, that clock went, that sunset, here they come. They brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases, cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Now, now Dr. Luke teaches us in, in, in his book that, that he healed all of them, all of them, everyone that came to Christ. And in the morning... Rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, watch this now, watch this. When they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. Everybody's looking for you. And what are you doing? This, we've got another crowd, man. Everybody's wanting to see you. And he said unto them, let us go into the next town. Wow. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also for therefore, for preaching, for therefore came I forth. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for an exciting service and and blessed worship this morning. Lord, we are at the most important critical point of the service. Lord, where you're going to speak to your people. You're going to speak to those that are here. God, I pray that your voice will be evident. Your voice will be clear. And what you want these people to do, Lord, they will do. And God, I praise you and I thank you. I don't deserve to be here, but I'm, I'm appreciative. I'm so glad you called me into the ministry. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll fill my mind and fill my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my words and my thoughts. Don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to. Lord, don't let me say anything that, or don't let me forget what I need to. 
God will be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Usually when I go and research and try to study for a sermon, the focus is usually on Jesus himself. And so as I read through this chapter over and over and over again, I I tell you, you know, my attention span is very short and and, and I, I have to really focus and try to uh, uh, really concentrate and read it and read it and read it and read it. And there were several things about Jesus that, that, that I saw in this chapter that I was really going to make an outline and give you. We see his preaching as he was in the synagogues and, and then we see his power as he's healing all these people, casting out all these devils. We see his prayer, and we may come back to that one because I think that's very important that you understand the source of his power was his prayer. Say amen. And then his pursuit, he says, I got to go into the other towns. And, and as I was trying to put that together, as I was trying to put that together, Brother Scott, I, I, I couldn't feel no peace. And I knew that was, not, that was not the direction that he was wanting me to go in. And so he began to, the Lord began to speak to my heart, not necessarily about Jesus, but about the town that he made his headquarters, the town, Capernaum. Now we would use the word Capernaum or Capernaum, you know, it's been pronounced that way in English, but the word is really, and when you, when you, like I say, when you go to Israel, you learn all kinds of things you never knew before, but the pronouncement is Capernaum. Capernaum, or the village of Nahum. It was connected back to the Old Testament prophet Nahum. And this village is probably the largest fishing village on the Sea of Galilee in that time. Uh, there was about a thousand or more people in the village itself and in in about three million in the Galilee region, the whole region there. And what we find, what we find in this chapter is Jesus has, uh, he has stepped forward. He has initiated his ministry. We know he was baptized by John. How many of y'all remember that a couple weeks ago? He was baptized by John. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He was driven into the wilderness to, to have a battle with Satan, to prove his ability, to prove his power, to defeat our arch enemy, the devil. And he was victorious. Say amen. He comes out of the wilderness full of the power of the Holy Spirit. He comes out of the wilderness and he chooses some disciples. Most of y'all know Peter and Andrew. He sees James and John and he chooses them and says, come and follow me and I will make you to be fishers of men. How many of y'all remember that a couple weeks ago? And now he comes to Capernaum. Capernaum. This will be where he sets up his headquarters And he will use this as basically his base of operations throughout his ministry for three years. And as he comes to Capernaum, as he comes to Capernaum, I want you to understand, if you was to look on a map, we would say Jerusalem is here. Jerusalem is the religious capital of Jerusalem or or, or, of Israel. And way up here to the northeast, you will find Galilee. 
on the very northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. This, in other words, this was the outskirts of Israel. This was the, the farthest region of Israel. Jesus wanted to get as far away as that false religion in Jerusalem as possible. And so here he is in Capernaum. There's a synagogue there. There's a place of, of gathering. There's a place of learning. The synagogues would be led by scribes. Scribes were uh, religious leaders who were responsible for writing out the scriptures and, and reading the scriptures to people. You got to understand, we have an incredible privilege today because most everybody in here, you've got a Bible in your hand. All, all, all you have to do to get the scriptures is to go to the store and buy it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. It wasn't that way then. It wasn't that way then. They would have to scribe, a scribe would have to get it, copy it, and, and make sure that it's letter by letter, line by line. And then they would take it and teach it and, 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 and interpret it, if you will, and commentate on it in the synagogues. And so I've got a couple pictures for you guys here uh, so you can see it. I mean, we can, you can go right to the city today. Uh, this is the ruins this is the ruins of Capernaum. This is where the, everything we just read took place here in this place. This right here is the synagogue, this white looking building. This is the ruins of the synagogue. And this right here is a church that was built by the, the, the Roman Catholic church over top of Peter's house. Over top of Peter's house where they found ruins and they found evidence and things there. So, so you can see how close that the, that the synagogue was. It's just a short walk to Peter's house. Now, as we look at the next picture, this is, a, this is just another, you can see the ruins of the houses here. You can see the ruins of the houses here and the synagogue was kind of the center of the community. All right. Next picture. Now, this, from this part up, you'll see the white, uh, you guys watching, you guys watching at, at Fairview, you'll see two different layers here. The top layer is the new synagogue that was built in the second century. And the lower, the lower foundation was the exact foundation that Jesus stood on and taught. In other words, they would take and build on what was left there. So this is the actual, the lower, the darker part is the actual foundation that Jesus stood on when he was teaching everything you just read, you're looking at right now. Let me say this. This is, this is what took place. Jesus comes into the city. Jesus comes into this city. He uses it as his headquarters, if you will. He goes into the synagogue as his custom was. We, we hear Dr. Luke saying as his custom was. And he goes in and he begins to teach. And as he's teaching here, as he's teaching here, a, a man full of demons will scream out. They are terrified. Jesus has showed up. And they, what are you doing here? Are you here to judge us? Jesus says, be quiet, come out of him, cast the demon out. The people are blown away. People are blown away. And here's, here's what I want you to write down. Here's what I want you to write down. If you take... Uh, notes. Okay, let, let me let me show you this real quick before we begin the outline. This is this is the 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 overhead view. If you'll notice, there's there's seating like stadium seating right here, 
and their stadium seating right here. They would have men on one side and women on the other in the synagogue for the teaching on the Sabbath. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right. Now, can you go to the next picture? This is what it would have looked like uh, as it was built before it collapsed and was ruined. All right. I think that's all. Is there, is there any more, Brother Chris? You got a couple more? Okay. This is the inside. This is what you can see now. If you're, you heard what I said a while ago, the seating here. You have the seating here and the seating over here. Men would sit on one side and women would sit on the other and the teacher would walk back and forth in the middle and, and do the teaching. Uh, and so this is what you're seeing. Jesus is in here. A man stands up in the middle of the service and screams out. Jesus cast the demon out of him. And so what, are, what do you think the message is that Jesus wants to share today? Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. We're talking about the community. Okay, we're talking about Capernaum, the people of Capernaum. First of all, number one, if you're taking notes, I, I want you to see... I want you to see the privilege. I want you to see the privilege that they experienced. The privilege they experienced. The privilege first of his preaching. The Bible says in verse number 22, he entered into the synagogue and taught and they were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Now, what did that mean? First of all, the privilege that they experienced was the preaching that they heard. Say that with me. The. Everybody say it again. The. You see, they had been used to scribes coming in and quoting other rabbis, quoting other popular teachers and popular rabbis. So they would read the scriptures and they say, Dr. So-and-so believes that this means such and such and such and such. Uh, uh, Rabbi so-and-so says he feels that this means this such and such. Or he would say, now the the verses say this, but I feel like that this is what this means. Are y'all with me? But then here comes Jesus. And Jesus doesn't teach like any other man. Jesus doesn't teach like the the scribes and 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 the teachers of the law that they had heard before. Jesus didn't quote anybody. Why? Because the word is doing the teaching of the word that day. Jesus began, and, and, I, and you say, well, what, give me an, give me an example. What, what does it mean to, to, to preach with authority, not as the scribes? Well, we have an example of this. I put it, I put it in your notes right here. Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter five, he's preaching at the sermon on the Mount. And this is what he says. Matthew 5, 21, ye have heard, ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not kill and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But come on, everybody. But I say, unto you have heard, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. But whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of verse 27. Ye have heard, say with me. Come on, everybody. Ye have. 
It was said of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in her heart. And six different times he said, ye have heard or it hath been said, but I say unto you. Do y'all see the difference? There is a major difference. There is a major difference in the preaching and the teaching. Can you imagine? Can you, you know, there's one thing reading a book, but there's another thing to hear the author read it to you. And they had the privilege. They had the privilege of God himself in the flesh preach their sermon. Now I've sat under some great preachers in my day. I have, I have sat under some inspirational and encouraging and fireball men of God who had the anointing of God on them. And I'm telling you what, it was an amazing experience, but I ain't never heard a sermon from Jesus. And when Jesus taught, he taught with power. When Jesus taught, he taught in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? Say amen. They're privileged. What a privilege. What a privilege. They were astonished. They were blown away. But then, not only the preaching that they heard, but the power that they saw. The power that they saw. Can you imagine? I don't even want to imagine. I don't even want to imagine. I don't even want to jinx it or say it because it might happen. But can you imagine having a preaching service and I'm up here preaching and some dude jumps up screaming full of the devil? And Jesus just stops him. Hush your mouth. Come out of him. And it happened. The man convulsed like he's having a seizure, fell down. But now he's fine and he's perfect. He goes into Peter's house. He goes into Peter's house. His mother-in-law is sick with a fever in a bad way. He takes her by the hand. The fever leaves. People at noon, at noon, the service is over. And you can imagine people running home and telling their neighbors and telling their friends and telling everybody, you ain't going to believe what happened at church today. And while that, while the time between noon and sunset, they are making a list of all the people they're going to bring to Jesus. And when the sun set, here they come. Can you imagine Jesus is sitting here. Jesus is resting and it's the same day. And as soon as the sun went down, here come people, drove after drove after drove after drove, person after person after person. I've got a sickness. I've got a disease. I've got a problem. This man's got a devil. This man's got a demon. And Jesus one by one is healing every single one, casting out devil after devil after somebody say, man, I don't know about y'all, but that's some privilege. Man, what an experience that would have been. Can you imagine being there that day? Jesus totally wipes out disease in Galilee. Everybody that came was healed. Everybody that came was fixed of whatever issue they had. Wow. What a privilege. What an honor. But then number two, I want you to see this. I want you to see the the priority they expressed. The priority they expressed. 
Now, now we're fixing to, now we're fixing to get into some touchy territory. So I'm going to need y'all to put your seatbelts on. The night is gone. Early in the morning before daybreak, before the sun ever comes up, Jesus is already up and he's out into a secluded place where he could get away from everybody and he's praying. The sun comes up. The sun comes up and guess who comes? Sick people. Broken people. Needy people. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a crowd of people. Now, you, we just read it. We just read it. Jesus is praying. Jesus is spending his devotional time with his father. And Peter and, and James and John and Andrew, they're looking all over the place for it. They're looking around the house. They're looking where he slept the night before. They're looking everywhere. And when they finally find him, when they finally find him, this is what they say. What are you doing? We have got a crowd waiting on you. They're all here seeking you. They want to see you. Say it with me. They want to see you. They want to see you. Now at, at face value, everybody look at me now. I'm telling you, this is, you can't go get no popcorn in this movie right here. Pay attention. At face value, that seems like a great thing. But when you really read it and see what Jesus says after, they were there to see him, not to hear him. We need a miracle. We need to be fixed. We need my situation straightened out. I've got a problem in my life that's causing me discomfort and I, I don't like discomfort. How many of y'all know the American people really don't like to be discomforted? We don't like anything out of the way. We don't like anything hard. We don't like anything difficult. We don't like anything uncomfortable. I've got an issue I need you to fix. I've got an issue I need you to solve. But what did you... Now watch this now. Everybody stay with me. Everybody stay with me. What did Jesus do when he would go into a village? He didn't go looking for sick people. He didn't go, he didn't go looking for people to heal. He didn't go into that village and say, all right, do we got any sick people? Hey, who's got some issues? No. He would go into the synagogue and what? Preach. He would go into the synagogue and preach. Now, what was he preaching? The gospel of the kingdom of God. He was preaching that you're a sinner and I'm a savior. You are condemned. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Preacher, what are you saying? When, when they told Jesus that, there is a crowd of people here to see you. He said, let's go somewhere else. You know what he said? No. Someone asked me 
a while back, did Jesus ever turn down anybody? I said, yes. He sure did. Here in chapter 1. He said, no, let's go to another village so I can, because that's what I came for. Are y'all with me? Preacher, what are you saying? Here's the point I'm trying to make. They were not interested in his message. They were only interested in a miracle. Jesus came to this earth to deliver a message. His purpose was to give the gospel. His purpose was to deliver them from their sin. But they were so superficial, they were not interested in his message. They wanted his miracle. Let me show you. If you'll take your, your Bible and turn with me, or if you don't want to, you can just listen. In John chapter number six, we have a situation. Jesus has, he has fed the thousands. He has fed the thousands and with a little lad's lunch. Are y'all with me? And, and here we have, he is back in Capernaum. The people who experienced the miracle of the feeding of the thousands, they were looking for him and they finally find him again. Verse number 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. What's the point? He's saying this. Everybody look at me. He's saying this. The only reason you're looking for me is you're hungry. You're wanting another free lunch. You're wanting me to provide you another sandwich. You're not concerned about what's most important. And what's most important is not a sandwich that will perish. What's most important is that you experience the bread of life that will give you eternal life. You don't need the miracle that I can perform. You need me. You're concerned with the superficial. You're concerned with what will pass away. And I'm here to tell you, you need more than a free sandwich. You need everlasting life. You need forgiveness of your sin. What are you looking for? They were looking for miracles. They were looking for a handout. They were looking for Jesus to make their lives more comfortable. They were not looking for forgiveness. They were not looking to be redeemed. And I want to ask you this question. What are you looking for? Why did you come to church today? Why are people coming to churches in America? Is it because their wife left them? Is it because their home is a mess? Is it because they have an addiction that they can't kick? Is it because they've got problems that they can't solve? They need Jesus. You say, preacher, what difference does it make? It makes a great difference. Right. 
Because I have seen people come into the house of God with major problems, home problems, relationship problems. And they come and say, God, help me, help me, help me. And God helps them and fixes them and changes them and blesses them. And after that, they're gone and you can't find them. What are you looking for? I can imagine there was some frustration in Jesus' response to those disciples when they said, man, what are you doing? We've got a whole crowd that's looking for you. He said, no. So why did he say no? Because he knew what was in them. He knew what they were looking for. He knew that they were not interested in his message. They only wanted a miracle. Jesus, I'm not going to read it because it's a ton of verses, but if you keep reading in John, Jesus keeps going back and forth with this crowd, trying to explain to them that it's him who he needs. And boy, they just got so frustrated with him. In verse number 66, it says this, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying they were privileged. I'm saying they got to experience what many people don't have the ability to experience. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And by the way, guys, everybody look at me. What you just read in that chapter is one day. He was in the headquarters for about three years. That was just one day of it. What happened the next day? Same thing. What happened the day after that? Same thing. As long as Jesus was around, they were bringing to him the sick and the maimed and the blind and the, and the demon possessed and people with issues and problems. And he was healing everyone day after day. I'm saying this on purpose. Day after 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 day. So they, watch this now, the people got used to it. They become indifferent to it. It was just like another day goes by. So what are all these people doing here? If you were from there and they asked you, what are all these people? Oh, that miracle worker. He's over there at Pete's house. And it's just another day. The Bible says in the last days, people will be like in the days of Noah. What were they doing in Noah's day? Jesus said they were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, they were just living their life like they'd always be there. Indifferent to the message of Noah. Apathetic. Seeking a miracle. Not caring about his message. So what's the problem? There's a major problem. Because if we go to another chapter, you're going to find out number three. What was number one? Say it with me. We see the. Everybody say it. Number one, the. The privilege they experienced. Can we all say it was a great privilege? They heard the most incredible preaching. They saw the most incredible power. Then, then number two, we see the priority. the priority they expressed. What was their priority? A miracle. We're not really interested in that message. We're not, 
We're not really interested in that whole repent thing. We're not, we're not, we're not all interested in that holiness stuff you're talking about. You know, I know forgiveness is important, but I really need my leg fixed. I'm not as interested in what's going to happen to me after I die. I need to just feel better while I live. Hello. But then number three, I want you to see the peril. The peril that they expect. What did Jesus say is coming? Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Then began he to upbraid. This is toward the end of Jesus' ministry. And he's pronouncing doom. He's pronouncing woe, if you will. Woe unto this place. Woe. He's pronouncing condemnation and doom under certain cities. Then he began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Because they what? Repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, Tyre and Sidon was a very, very wicked, wicked cities. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, say it, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven. What is he saying by that statement? You have experienced the greatest privilege. You were exalted into the presence of heaven. Heaven came down to your city. Heaven came down to your synagogue. Heaven came down to your little streets. And listen, to your little houses and your little huts. You experienced heaven God himself tabernacled with you. But what does he say? You which art exalted unto heaven shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom. Oh my soul. In Sodom. It would have remained unto this day. Preacher, what are you saying? He picks out the most wicked city in the Old Testament who who performed and exercised some of the most wicked and heinous acts ever known to man and it was so wicked and so vile and so ungodly that God destroyed them with fire and brimstone. But he said this, If my son would have done in Sodom what he did in Capernaum, they would have repented. Wow. Then watch what he says. This is just mind-blowing. He says, because of that, verse 24, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now everybody just just look at me. What is Jesus saying right here? 
First of all, we see that there are degrees of punishment in hell. Okay, some people have the idea that all of hell is the same. All of hell is the same. And and, and all of punishment will be the same for everybody. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you're a good old boy that just didn't believe in God or you're Jeffrey Dahmer or Hitler. They're just all in the same place experiencing the same thing. That is not true. According to scripture, everyone shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire. There's going to be different degrees of pain and punishment. There's going to be different degrees and levels of, of punishment in hell. And what God is saying, the most wicked people in the Old Testament, the most wicked city in the Old Testament, the people who committed the most vile sins in the Old Testament are going to get it easier than Capernaum. Because they did not have the privilege and the opportunity that the people of Capernaum experienced. Now look at me, everybody. This is so important. I keep saying, look at me because I I don't want you to miss this. Preacher, are you telling me that God looks at the sin of apathy and indifference? In other words, it's ho-hum. I'm not taking this seriously. I'm not, I'm not listening to his message of repentance and forgiveness. I'm just letting it go through one ear and doesn't matter what I've seen because I don't care about the afterlife. I care about comfort in this life. He's, I'm going to tell you this, God's going to judge you more harshly then he, watch this, then he did those men who tried to rape those men angels that came to rescue Lot. Yeah. Hey. Now, I don't know if you're getting what I'm putting down. But what I'm trying to tell you is with great privilege comes great responsibility. Amen. And I don't know, I don't know of another country on this planet that has experienced the greatest privilege of spiritual freedom than the United States of America. And we have a Bible in every room. We can buy a Bible from any bookstore. We can turn the radio on and hear the gospel. We can go to any street corner and hear a preacher. And yet we're still indifferent. What are you here for? What are you seeking? Are you seeking an easier life? Are you seeking to have your problems solved? Are you seeking and asking God to make her come back? Or do you care that you are a sinner bound for hell and the only hope that you have is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you believe him? Jesus said, I didn't come to fix lame legs and I didn't come to heal blind eyes. I came to preach the message of salvation. And there's too many superficial people. We done saw it through COVID. We done saw it through COVID. That there are too many superficial Christians. You're in it for what you can get out of it. 
You're not in it because Jesus has come and he's died and he's here to forgive you. You care about the miracle. You could care less about the message. Well, I'm going to tell you this. He says it's going to be more tolerable for wicked Sodom than you people in Capernaum who ignored the message and only sought the miracle. I ask again, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? I don't know about you, but this bothers me. Because I see so many people, the only reason they're coming to church is because their life's falling apart. Now, let me say this. That's a good reason to come to church. But you need to understand, God doesn't want to put your life back together just so you can go to hell. Everybody look at me one more time. One more time. I'm not going to ask it no more. I promise I won't say it no more if you'll just look at me this one time. I don't know why this is just so, it's making me crazy. Do you realize there are people in hell today that Jesus healed? There are people today that are burning in hell that had a lame leg, maybe polio, and Jesus healed them. And they got what they wanted, but ended up not wanting what they got. You know what Jesus says about that? If thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. I'd rather you go into heaven with one eye. I would rather you go into heaven handicapped. I would rather you go into heaven. If, if your foot offend thee, cut it off. You know what Jesus is saying? What good is it for me to heal you if you don't believe what I'm telling you? What good is it for me to put your family back together if you just walk away and don't surrender your life to Christ? What good is it for you to be healed of your cancer and die and go to hell? What are you looking for? He's offering forgiveness. He's off. And by the way, everybody, God nowhere in the Bible promised you healing. I know these charlatans and these Benny Hinn types, they're all, and let me tell you something, there is a special place in hell for them who are taking advantage of hurting people and prying and, and, and praying on, the, on the, the, the pain of people. Do you know the only thing God promised you is you're going to die? It is appointed unto man once to die. Preacher, what, do you believe God will heal? Yes. You believe God has healed? Yes. But I'm here to tell you, it don't matter if he heals your cancer if your spiritual cancer is not fixed. If you don't repent, I'm not saying regret. I'm saying repent. The Bible says there is a godly sorrow and there is a worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow will lead you to regret. Godly sorrow will lead you to repent. Repent means to change. It means to turn. Have you experienced regret or repentance? 
Have you experienced worldly sorrow or godly sorrow? Let me explain the difference. My wife's sitting right over there. She don't speed on purpose. <clears throat> I have issues. And when I get pulled over, I have regret. Worldly sorrow. I'm not sorry I sped. I'm sorry I got. Now, if she gets pulled over, she didn't do it on purpose. So when she says she's sorry, she really sorry. That's godly sorrow. That's a brokenness. Some of y'all are only sorry because you got caught. It's time to repent. It's time to repent. There's too many superficial Christians sitting in churches all over America today that are on their way to hell. What are you looking for? Because today you need to repent. You need to believe the message. They did not, they're not going to experience, what did he say? Why, why are they experiencing, they're going to experience the wor- a worse judgment than Sodom? Because they refuse to repent. The only reason they came to him was to get a miracle. What are you looking for? And all God's people said,